Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Half Street High Heat. I am your host, Amanda White, joined as always by my co-hosts, Nick and Ryan. You can get me on Twitter at awhite7877, and you can find them at DCNatShack. Uh, you can follow the podcast at Half Street High Heat, and you can find polls, lots of information about the podcast and everything that you need there. Uh, we are doing this podcast for the DMV Sports Network. You can get them at dmv underscore sn on both twitter and instagram and at the dmv sports um, if you go there you'll find all the daily content on all the different dc sports and local college sports so check them out and you can find this podcast wherever you get your podcasts and also we'll have it up on youtube so let's get into it hey guys how was your week uh, pretty good no uh, major free agent departures this week so we're trending in the right direction Things are looking up. There is baseball <laughs> being played, and that is makes me happy. So. <laughs> that is a good thing. So it looks like we've got our – are going to do our bold prediction for the Nats. What's our bold predictions? So I just wanted to, like, start the show with a bang. Uh, I, I feel like there's a lot of hostility on Nats Twitter, people at each other's throats. On uh... You could take Nats out of that and just be like, there's a lot of hostility on Twitter. Okay, fair. <laughs> fair but uh no there I, i've just seen a lot so i wanted uh, a bold prediction for the nats that kind of inspired hope um for the season for a lot of nats fans so does anyone want to start you want me to start i'll start okay they they win the nl east and it's not that close Ooh, Ooh. i was like that's not that bold <laughs> no, i don't think it's i think pitching wins out and the nats but you could, we're gonna have discussions later about who has the best lineup okay. in the division but the pitching i think there's no argument the nats have the best pitching staff oh okay i'm gonna go really bold just full-blown send it steven strasberg doesn't hit the dl once this year <laughs> oh, God. that's crazy talk <laughs> uh so similar to ryan's um i i was gonna do strasburg specific uh but I'll, I'll just make it more general i think the top three in the uh nats rotation finish like top eight in cy young voting wow <laughs> i love it i can see it 
Yeah, I can see it. I, it if just, Strasburg can stay healthy, he's as good as anybody. Yeah, and that's really the thing because I don't have the the rank or the final finish in front of me where Corbin finished last year. But I mean, just on his numbers alone, he deserves some conversation. Obviously, not to win it all. Doug Rom and uh, Scherzer. It was really a two horse race, but uh, I mean, Corbin's right there, and if Strasburg can stay healthy, then he's right there too. So obviously, if you have three top eight pitchers. Um, you're going to do pretty well. So uh, it goes along well with your uh, bold prediction. All right. Look at look at that. Cohesiveness amongst I know, all three of us. Right? So yeah. It had to happen eventually. I guess. For once. For once. <laughs> all right. So for our first topic, other than our, uh, our outlandish predictions, let's talk <laughs> a little bit about center field for this team, which, you know, there was a game, a spring training game this week where, um, somebody asked Davey, is this pretty much going to be your starting, you know, your starting rotation when the season starts? And he kind of made some noises that it would be. And Mr. Michael A. Taylor was in center field for that game. So what do we think about Robles versus Taylor? We all know how we feel about Robles versus Taylor, but what do you actually think is going to happen? Um, so they're they're going to have Michael A. Taylor start the year as annoying as it is. Um, I really think they're going <laughs> to manipulate the whole time thing which is so stupid especially since because the gap in the NL East doesn't exist anymore right. all the teams are hand to hand like you need your best players yeah. and if Robles comes close to what he's projected to do he's better than Mike Lake Taylor um, it's not a high bar I feel like, not a, no, yeah I know it yeah. sucks but I feel like the Nats are just looking too far into the future because if Robles starts the year him and Soto both hit free agency at the same time and like if that's their reason for holding him down I'm going to be furious because that's the worst reason I've ever heard. Yeah, like I'm looking at the Nats and what they're trying to do, and it just doesn't seem like all their moves like coincide with the same plan. Like the Corbin move tells me that they're trying to go like all in and remain the top tier contender. But then like if you if you leave Robles down, who's by far in a way your your best center fielder, like, yes, it it extends his service time or whatever, but like you're not putting your best nine on the field. So then that yeah. contra- contradicts your, your like all in world series hope. So I'll bet this would be like the Rizzo. We've got a one year and a three year and a five year plan. And they're trying to keep his service time so that they get him for one extra year and their team control. But I don't think it's the right move. Right. And I mean, that that's the only reason there could be for keeping him down. And honestly, I, I'm, I know we posed this question earlier on before we really got, much of a sample size, but I'm the same thing or of the same mindset with key boom. Like I would just, I would just keep him up. He's been tearing it up in the spring training games. I know it's spring. I know pitchers are tinkering with their stuff and they're, you know, it's not necessarily representative of the season as a whole, but he's been really good. So is, you know, there've been a lot of really good prospects making a really good showing in camp Mm -hmm. this year. And you have to think that if they're really all in this year with, with the NL East as tight as it's going to be, I, you know, wins in April are just as important as wins in August. Yeah, we you can't we screw saw that. around. Yeah, we saw that last year. The Nats have never made the playoffs, and they finished April to losing record. Oh, that's an interesting stat. Can always count on Ryan. Love you, bud. You're welcome. Yeah, that's um, good stuff. No, but the only thing with Keyboom that I'll just kind of contradict myself here is, uh, like, there's no clear path to him starting. Like, it's still Dozier's job. So. You don't need Keyboom uh, as much, but obviously, I think he's earned a spot on the roster. It's just mm. the way the things 
are. With Dozier, though, I feel like, you know, I'm expecting a lot more out of Dozier than I am out of out of Taylor. So right. if and, they yeah. decide to start Keyboom in AAA, Fresno, which I can't get used to saying, but mm-hmm. if they decide to, to start him down, you know, he's he's there if they need him for, for right. depth. And but that's, I, a, yeah, that's exactly I what I was just like going to say. Mm-hmm. I would like to see him, you know, have another year of team control. That would be good. I don't think there's, you know, there's such a drop off to Taylor. If, if, you know, we talked before about Taylor being the goldfish, like Robles would be, <laughs> I don't know, like a, I don't know, like a piranha. He's, he's not the best dog <laughs> in the world like Harper was, but he's better than a goldfish. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I yeah. may be torturing this analogy just a little <laughs> bit. But. I mean, the only reason I could see the Nats keeping him down is if his elbow isn't as healthy as they want it to be, and they want to make sure he's healthy and get some extra rehab games. But if that were the case, you wouldn't be seeing him so much in spring training. I don't think it's a health issue. But like we, we haven't really seen him as much as he should be playing. Like He should be playing majority of the games. Like he's your top prospect. You need to see what you have with him. Whoa, 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 whoa. But I mean, Michael and Taylor's playing more than him. People were upset with Ryan Zimmerman not playing a game because it was raining. So I really, <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm sold on this That's Victor Robles guy. <laughs> no, I was, I just like to, you know, I, I, I'm a conspiracy theorist about Ryan Zimmerman at this point. The, the crap they do with him in spring training is weird. It's weird. I don't know what their deal is. I guess they're just trying to say, you know, handle him with kid gloves because he's so fragile at this point in his career. Yeah, because but... clearly whatever you're doing has been working. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Speaking of Ryan Zimmerman, let's talk a, a second about his doppelganger down there, uh, Jake Knoll. Have you guys been paying any attention to what he's been doing? Uh, yeah, he's going to be pretty good in double this year. Yeah, they've, well, they've given him a and pretty for the next hard five look, years. though. He, they've played him 14 games in spring training so far. That's a long look. And when they did their first round of cuts, they, they didn't include him in it. So it seems to me like I uh, listened to some stuff on the radio today, and they said there are a lot of people in the organization that are pretty high on that kid. So Yeah, I can't wait to see happens. him for, uh, on the top 10 prospects list for the Nats for the next seven years. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. He, him just, and Austin Voth. Yeah, and Rowdy Reed <laughs> and uh, Brian Goodwin. And uh, oh, yeah. Brian Goodwin! I have a Brian Goodwin autograph. You guys are jealous, I know. From a, a I, I one of those fan like Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good enough. I, but it was, you know, they do those double autograph things when you go to the fan fest. Oh, yeah, I yeah, got, yeah. You had to get in line and you could get Brian Goodwin or Max Scherzer. And I was like, come on. Every- <laughs> Everyone's going to go, like, yeah. obviously Brian Goodwin's the obvious choice. Like, right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So. Exactly. Okay, <laughs> so um, it seems like we've covered Robles versus Taylor. I think we all wish it would be Robles and we all know it's going to be Taylor. So. Yeah, but the right move, I don't care what anyone says, the right move is to leave him up, but what they're going to do is start him in triple a it's just yeah, it's weird as you said like the the getting corbin for such they they're doing this we're going all in but then they're really not you can tell because they're not signing kimberl and they're not right you know, exploring any other free agents mm-hmm. they're like all in right up to the luxury tax yeah <laughs> they're not yeah. in any further than that it's like do just enough but not like what needs to be done yeah, this this division is going to be fascinating to watch, though. I got to say, it you know, it's the best division in baseball, and it's going to be exciting to have a division that nobody's really going to run away with. Yeah, it's nice to have that. Well, that's a good segue into this week's FYI segment, which is the Nats lineup versus the rest of the division. So much was made of this. Our poll question this week on the Half Street High Heat Twitter was, who has the best <laughs> lineup? And Nats fans never let us down. They said the Nats. <laughs> they're wrong but they said the match which i love the loyalty so, so yeah yeah Go we ahead. did a uh we I, you know we have a document that we put together just kind of an at a glance using career averages for all the projected starters 
um, and then averaging all the projected starting pitchers into that spot and looking team by team. It's very close, except for the Marlins, who really shouldn't even be in this conversation. But um, we're going to go ahead. I guess we could post this out to the Half Street High Heat um, account so people can look at it if they're interested, since we're going to be talking about it on here. But what do you guys think? Who, who do you, Obviously, you don't think it's the Nats. Who do you think has the best lineup in the division? Um, it's honestly – it's the Phillies, and people are just mad and salty about it. Yep. They're not going to admit it. Um, if you take the Phillies uh, 2019 lineup with the 2018 numbers, they had 263 as a team, 175 home runs, 600 RBIs. Compare that to the Nats 2019 lineup with 2018 numbers. They hit 265, two points higher, only 102 home runs and 467 RBIs. Like There is a big drop-off. I mean, the Phillies' middle of the order is going to be absolutely stupid this year. And then I think you could put the Braves right behind them and then argue that the Mets, when healthy, have a better lineup than the Nats mm, do. Okay. I don't know that I agree with all that. <laughs> so I think the I think we're still ahead of the Mets, but I think obviously the Mets are a lot better than they were last year. Um, uh, with Ryan's numbers, just comparing the Nats and the Phillies, uh, the Nats have like a very, very slight edge, like two point edge in batting average, but we know batting average is an overrated stat and that's not really what matters. Retweet. Um, I just didn't feel like looking in the other numbers. No, it, yeah, no, I don't blame you. But also we have Michael A. Taylor in our, in that lineup, which will only bring our numbers down. Um, Cause he only played like half a season last year. So, right. I have a feeling that Taylor's going to start the season, but I also have a feeling we're going to see Robles sooner rather than later. I don't think they're going to wait till June when they can. You know, oh, they can't. There's no they won't they be can. able to, and they shouldn't wait at all, but I think they will. I right. actually would put the Nats behind the Phillies as far as lineup goes, but not behind Ooh. the Braves or the Mats. I would, I would put the Nats up there. Number two. I think, I think there's a lot um, of on base that it's not just about batting average, you know, that they, they can get on base, you know, Turner is, he creates havoc on the base paths. He gets, you know, he can, do a lot once he gets on base and I look at the Braves lineup and obviously Acuna is amazing and we'll see whether his sophomore year can be what his uh, rookie year was. Inciarte has a career 289 average. I mean, he's a great hitter and Freeman is a Nats killer. (laughs) So he's an everybody killer really, but I I don't know the Braves, even though they won the division last year, don't for some reason their lineup doesn't scare me so much. Yeah. Well, for, for me with the Braves, sorry, Nick, but for me with the Braves, if Donaldson is healthy, Mm -hmm. I, their lineup's going to be dangerous. Mm-hmm. But if he's not healthy, then their lineup takes a huge step back. So he's really the key piece for them for me. Right. And I think with the Braves numbers, uh, if you just kind of look at the projected starting lineups uh, with their like last year numbers, the Braves really hit their stride offensively once they moved Acuna to the leadoff role, which is mm-hmm. hypothetically where he's going he's to so good. Yeah, where he's going to start. <laughs> oh, the he's season. so fun last year to watch Acuna and Soto in that yeah. division. It was awesome. So I think they're going to be better. And obviously, like Ryan said, a healthy Donaldson is a MVP caliber player every year. It's just yeah, but yeah. he's never healthy. I know, I know. I was just saying that. It's um, the Ryan Zimmerman of the Braves. Mm, <laughs> no, Ryan Zimmerman's way worse. Um, well, wait, I just mean in the health. Oh, yeah. The health. Um, I knew what you meant. But I, I, think, <laughs> I think he will bounce back, maybe not to MVP caliber, but he's going to be a threat in that lineup. And obviously, like you said, Freddie Freeman's a Nats killer. Um, it's just, like, aside from Rendon, and I do think Soto, not a huge step back, but has a, a step back. 
Um, I think Rendon's really your only like scary hitter in our lineup. And with hypothetically Zim hitting behind him, um, I don't think many, he's not going to get many pitches to hit. Um, so it kind of takes away. Like if you look at the Phillies lineup, they go Harper, Hoskins, Real Muto. Mm-hmm. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a nasty middle of the, road, like, middle of the lineup for gr- sure. Yeah, granted it was spring training, but Bryce's first at bat as a Philly they walk him and boom, Hoskins hits a home run. <laughs> like that's like a right. seven hundred foot home run. Yeah, we're gonna see a lot of that. <laughs> we are gonna see a lot of yeah, that. But and... I also like when I look at these numbers, I prefer to use career averages because I don't think if you look over the course of players' careers, rarely do they do their numbers look all that similar year to year. Most guys revert to the back of the baseball card eventually. Right. You know what I mean? I, so I like to me, using, when you look yeah. at Phillies and Nats, if you look at the team average batting averages it's 257 and 258 if you look at the on-base percentage it's 325 and 327 and if you look at slugging percentage it's 420 and 413 the numbers aren't that different when you go career yeah so i I like using career averages if it's a guy like turner who's only had obviously a couple years under his belt but for someone like ryan zimmerman i would like just kind of focus on like the last four years four to five years because i don't remember who tweeted it and ryan I, i know you called them out um, they they tweeted Ryan Zimmerman's numbers, but they like cropped out like the last four years where he hasn't been so good. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, like it was very like selective <laughs> with the way they they posted the numbers. So, um, but yeah, the career averages, like you said, usually they're gonna go back uh, to the back of the baseball card, which is why Michael A. Taylor will never be that good. He's never gonna no. be gr- yeah, anything. Um, but I, I don't see how you say the Nats have a better lineup than the Phillies. No, I don't think you could say that either. I don't think any reasonable person could say they're better, but I don't think the drop-off between them is as great as Ryan does. Um, I don't know. It, Numbers never lie. Facts. Uh, but I, I think there is a drop-off, but I, assuming the Nats can still score in different ways other than relying on the long ball, I think um, we'll see a pretty good – yeah, uh, that's going to be what really, you know, without without Harper's production for home runs in the lineup that we are going to see a drop off in home run numbers, I'm sure. But I think if they can if they can figure out a way to manufacture runs without that. And I think Eaton and Turner, if they're both healthy at the top of the order, that's a lot of on base percentage. Yeah. And you got Soto and Rendon hitting behind them. I, I think, you know, you're going to you can produce a lot of runs without a lot of home runs. Yep. They just they've struggled as a franchise to manufacture runs going back forever. Yes. So I just really hope all of a sudden they figure out a way where they can do that. Hope springs eternal, as they <laughs> say. But a quick thank you to all of our followers. This was the best poll we ever did. Slight brag, we got two hundred and five votes. <clears throat> so clearly yes, thank you everyone for voting. Clearly really people people felt some some way about this poll and they <laughs> did, just didn't want to give the Phillies credit. Um, but that's fine. I mean, yeah, screw all, the Phillies. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that, that just goes into another point. There's certain people on Twitter who shall remain nameless. Um, they just, they are so biased against the Phillies or for the Nats, however you want to do it. And, uh, it, it blinds the reality oh. and that's just kind of where we're at right now. I'm a shameless Homer, so I'm not hating on those people. Oh no, no, no not you at all. <laughs> they know who they are. <laughs> nice thing you know you know who you are if you're listening yep exactly so i'm just saying <laughs> you're blind you. yep you are blind and i am talking directly to you so excellent all right yeah. so new segment we're gonna do fair or foul ryan you want to take this one 
Yes, this is going to be a new monthly segment here on Half Street High Heat. I am going to state uh, just one statement about the Nats, um, and then if you agree with it, you'll say fair and why. If you disagree with it, you'll say foul and why. So we'll get right on into it. Um, Fair or foul, Dave Martinez will be fired if the Nats miss the playoffs this year. Fair, because they. Mm. Sh- I don't think, I don't think missing the playoffs with this team is going to be acceptable. And we know the learners have no patience for managers, and I think they already know that they probably shouldn't have hired Martinez. Yeah, I I would agree. I'm still going to go foul, um, because we kind of there was a Twitter question earlier in the year, uh, or earlier in an earlier episode, um, where someone asked. A similar question and basically my response was the talent you have on this team is going to win you more games than it would take to get Davey fired um like it, even with your it, even if you're riddled with injuries you're still probably going to look at like an 81 team um granted it's not good it's not a playoff team but I think for Davey to be fired after this year and be another unsuccessful manager hire, he would have to win a lot less or is something like crazy, like Papabon choking Harper. Would <laughs> no, have I, just, to I just have to say two years of missed playoffs with this, with this roster. I oh, I agree. That, I don't think they'd have the patience for it. I think yeah. that would be it for him. If you, if you can't win enough games to get to the playoffs with this roster two years consecutively, then yeah. Last year you can, you can put it on the, the injuries to an extent. Um, and obviously if there's injuries this year, you can kind of point to that as well. It's just, we, we've seen Davey make plenty of questionable decisions. Um, so it would really just have to depend how the season plays out, but I don't think missing the playoffs would be enough, uh, to fire him. So I'm going to go foul. All right. See, I was thinking foul just cause I feel like, uh, Rizzo and Davey are intertwined with both their contracts ending at the same time because yep. this was Rizzo's guy. And there's only one more um, year after this, right? Yeah, so I, exactly. I feel like they're just going to wait it out. If they don't win by in the next year, learners are going to clean house and just do a fresh reset with both of them. Hopefully they would uh, value a manager at that point. But we'll see. <laughs> Hopefully they would, and I wish they would, I wish they would value Rizzo out, you know, regardless of what happens with the manager position because I think Rizzo is one of the best GMs I in baseball. I do think Rizzo is good, and I think he's been – the more I see Mark Lerner – his name pop up places. I, I I'm kind of sympathizing with Rizzo because he he definitely has his job cut out for him. Yeah, we've all had crappy bosses. We know what that's. Yep, like. yep. All right. So our next one, fair or foul? The Nationals are putting too much pressure on Juan Soto. Fair, hundred percent. I agree. Uh, like easily fair, like dead center. Um, <laughs> they are putting weight. He is a 20 year old kid. Um, he had a great season last year, but he didn't have to be the guy last year. You had a Bryce Harper. You had an Anthony Rendon. Soto could just play baseball. But now they're like, oh, this 19-year-old, now 20-year-old did it last year. He can do it again, and he can do it like 10 times better now. Mm, they're putting, I disagree. They're putting way too much pressure on him, and I just I don't think it's fair to him. And I think a lot of fans are going to be disappointed. All right. Well, I'm going foul on this because I think last year he was a great surprise, obviously, to everyone, including the organization. But the kid just, you know, was playing baseball. And I think with Harper leaving this year, the pressure is there. It's not the team putting the pressure on him. It just is. Everybody's expecting him to be able to do what he did last year. And he may or may not be able to. But I think that 
you know, having an, an exciting player. I mean, the guy was second in the rookie of the year voting. He's an excellent ball player. I think he enjoys it. I think he likes the expectations and I don't think it's too much pressure. I guess we'll see how it plays out with how right. he performs but this year. I, but... I just think if it wasn't the Nats putting on the pressure on him, like like I said, like he didn't have he didn't face so much pressure last year because you had so right, many. But what have they done guys. actually to put the pressure on him? Like what are they doing? They just haven't putting him in the in they're, they're putting, know, putting him, him in, in like the three. Yeah, they're putting him in the three hole and just saying. Would you like, put him someplace else in the rotation? I mean, not with the current lineup, but I think. I don't know. I would. I almost consider batting Zim third and like Soto fifth. Ugh. Sorry, Zim <laughs> in the three hole is horrifying. That's just. It. But I think Zim sees pitches that will help Rendon more. And when I, he goes think... on the cold streak, he always goes on. You know, in the first month well, to right, six then, weeks of the I, season, I then put, you've got. There. I mean, yeah, I, I, I hear you. I just, I, think, else, I don't know what they could do Zim. differently. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I understand no. there is a lot of pressure right. on Soto, but I don't know that the Nats are making the pressure. It just is what it is. There are expectations because of how he performed last year. I think my bigger problem is that I just, maybe it's not a problem and maybe it'll be all right and I'm overreacting, but they just don't have that scary bat that like obviously Harper has provided and before that we would always have someone like that like even Adam Dunn kind of served that mm-hmm. role um and we don't really have that and I think the reason I think they're putting too much pressure on him is because they want Soto to be that scary impact bat and I don't think that's his game I think he's more like a Anthony Rendon um who's obviously a great player but uh I just I still think they're putting too much pressure on him and I wish there was I wish the situation was different. I hear you. I think there is a lot of pressure on him. I just don't know that it's something that can be helped. I don't know that anybody's doing it to him. It's just the nature of after his performance last year. It's Mark Lerner and you can't tell me otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this is fun. So far we disagree on everything. That's great. <laughs> Makes a great podcast. Keep it up everyone. <laughs> All right. So next, fair or foul? Brian Dozier Nationals having a dangerous lineup. Mm. Foul. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to go foul as well. I think it, it's more to do with the top of the lineup. Um, and even if you like bat Robles ninth, uh, you would do like Robles and then the top of the lineup. So basically it's Eaton and Turner are the key to having a dangerous lineup. And then if Robles is in the nine hole, then Robles would be included in that as well. And because they have to be on base, because like we've been saying ever since we found out Bryce was officially gone, um, they're just going to have to score in different ways. They can't rely yeah. on the long ball. And if Dozier hits 30 to 40 home runs, phenomenal, ecstatic, like great. Uh, but that's not going to be the thing we can rely on. It's yeah, going to be people on base. I agree. And I think Dozier's going to be hitting probably somewhere down in the, you know, the what, five, six. Maybe even lower. He should bat fourth. Maybe seven. Yeah, if I bet you though it's going to be five, six, seven somewhere in there. So he's gonna, you know, we're going to need him to to you know be an RBI guy. There's going to be people on base, and he's going to need to drive in some runs. But I don't yeah. think he's the key. If I had to pick a key to having a dangerous lineup, he wouldn't be near the top of the list. Yeah, maybe I would hit Dozier third. I would have to look at the lineup again. But yeah, it, Dozier, like you just said, Dozier hitting in the sixth or seventh spot isn't really like. That's not where you have your your key guy to a dangerous lineup. He's not yeah. hitting six or seven, so I don't think it's Dozier. All right, uh, fair or foul? Trey Turner won't have the breakout season that we all have been alluding to and hoping. 
Um, the inconsistent streaks that we see during the season is who he actually is as a player. Hmm, this is a hard one. <sighs> I'm going to go foul on this. I think, you know, before he got hurt, was it two years ago where he was on that unbelievable streak and then he, he got hit by the pitch? Broke yeah, his two bone. years ago. Yeah, and I mean, he was really getting hot right before that happened. It was super unfortunate. And then uh, last year, I just, I feel like if he can put the getting on base together, you know, his game is, he's so fast and he's so good on the base pass and he's so good defensively that if he can, if he can be a little more patient at the plate and, mm-hmm. you know, take some walks and I think Not that stuff can be, yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think that can be learned. I think that with it, he's still a young player. And I think if he can improve his on base percentage, then he can be, he, that breakout season will come. And I don't know if it's this year, but I do think he has that in him. And I think if he really can get on base a lot and try to steal, you know, 50, 60 bases, he's going to be a massive piece of the offense for this team. So I, the question is, I'm looking at is Turner won't have a breakout season. I, I'm going to go foul. Um, uh, yeah, I'm going to go foul. I'm going to stick with it because I think if Davey, I think eventually Eaton's going to be the leadoff guy, whether he starts the year or it just, it's a switch later on. Um, because if Turner's the leadoff guy, I think he's going to feel that pressure. Mm-hmm. And that's when you're going to see him swinging at the first pitch and not being patient. Um, and he needs like Turner and Eaton work so well together because Turner didn't have to be the guy. It was kind of the same thing we just talked about with Soto. Mm-hmm. So if Eaton can be the vet and the great leadoff guy he is, and honestly, the reason, one of the many reasons we traded for him to be a leadoff guy, then Turner can just relax, be patient, Eaton's on base, he can see some pitches and make things happen. Yeah, Keep I don't know why Davey seems so enamored with putting Turner Because he's an I... idiot. <laughs> well... Tell us how you really feel. No, I, I really like Eaton and then Turner. I don't know why you would do it otherwise. I think Turner is he's better in the two hole and he's, you know, right. he's still going to get on base. He's still going to be able to, you know, he's a good hitter, but I don't know. I like Eaton. I like Eaton at the top of the lineup. He's a calm veteran presence. I think that would be a real benefit for Turner. Yeah. I don't remember if it was last April or like uh, the season before that, but when Eaton was healthy for that month of April, he was like on pace for like, 200 runs scored batting lead off it was insane um but uh i think what davy's saying is if eaton bats lead off he gets on base and then if turner gets on base turner can't steal which is a, a dumb like way to look at it like if trey leads off and consistently gets out then he's not going to be on base to steal right exactly so Mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually, and I all would the argue numbers show where we go back just a little bit to what we were talking about is who's the key to the lineup. Is it Dozier? And I don't think it is, but Eaton may very well be that key. If Eaton is healthy, mm-hmm. he's a really excellent leadoff guy. I mean, he's, he can really produce for you. We haven't had the benefit of a healthy Eaton, really, other than that first month hey, that we had him. I mean, I just saw on the Nats Instagram that Adam Eaton is in the best shape of his life, so... I hate that so much. <laughs> you know, no I was at that game is. where Eaton hurt himself at that April game where he and blew out his knee. I was there. It was horrible. Yeah. Do do we know what that is, what that thing is? The the players are in the best shape of their life. What is that? They're they're mocking like all the reports of the coaches when like when they ask about guys reporting, they're like, Oh, he's in the best shape of his life. And so they're like mocking it, <laughs> but they need to stop. It's so annoying. It's very annoying. And like the pictures don't give 
off that vibe anyways. Like, it, they need yeah. to be funny pictures. Like, then, Well, then that social media team's terrible. Yeah, I don't... The the vibe doesn't match. It, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not Fair good. or foul. So... <laughs> I guess we're going foul on so, <laughs> Moving on. Uh, fair or foul. Stealing on the ba- and being aggressive on the basis is the way for the Nats to replace the production they're losing from Harper. Fair. Mm, yeah. Fair, fair, 100%. You got to be aggressive. Like, even... Uh, God forbid. Even Michael A. Taylor, if he ever in his life gets on base you got to steal him um because you, you he's gotta... actually really good on the base pass when he can get there yeah when he can get there his <laughs> on base percentage is like look lower, at that, a lower than max like it's it's absurd how just bad he is but so when we say stealing and aggressiveness are we talking about max scherzer are we saying when he needs to steal more bases and that's the way that we're going to replace harper's production hey he was 100 percent last year so <laughs> he is trending in the right direction god i love max scherzer he's fantastic um but no you you gotta like we said we they have to score in different ways if you can't rely on the long ball then you got to be aggressive on the base mm-hmm. pass uh, you got to play a, a smaller kind of baseball, just singles, and don't go yeah. for Yeah, and for you've got to see good bunting. You've got to right. see good, you know, you've got to see good small ball, and that's right. something they've historically not been good at. But I think with Harper out of the lineup, they're really going to need to to work on improving that because if they can't, if they can't get the number of, and maybe like maybe Dozier will have an amazing year and he'll replace a lot of the home run production and it will be less of an issue. But in lieu of that, they've got to find a way. To, right. to manufacture runs yeah guys just need to keep the line moving they can't go for like the glory so stealing being aggressive and having smart at bats that's gonna be the way we uh replace the production we lost all right good one um and then our last for this segment is fair or foul if scherzer retires today he's a hall of famer fair of course so if you look at this if he retires today today so his he is not i don't think he is i'm sorry and i'm not saying he won't be but the if he retired today if he just decided to hang him up he doesn't want to play as with uh michael a taylor starting in center field i don't blame him (laughs) um he retires today he just misses it i doubt i he he's very he's very close but like even look at someone like johan santana he's a two-time cy young winner he's not gonna be a hall of famer um, like he, he had a great peak. He was riddled by injuries, but he, he didn't like as great as he was for that six year stretch. He, he's not going to be a hall of famer and Scherzer, his peak has only been like five. Yeah. Years. Five. Yeah. But I got to okay. The guys had over 300 strikeouts in a season. He's tied the, for 20 strikeouts for the most ever in a nine inning game. He's had three Cy Youngs, including two back to back, and has won them in both leagues. There's nothing you could say to convince me he's not a Hall of Famer already. Well, according to the measurements to get into the Hall of Fame, <laughs> Max Scherzer is not there yet. Yeah. And people. People forget that he was good, not great in Detroit. I understand that, but he's greatly. He is uh, the accomplishments, the accolades, the things he's already accomplished are, like I said, you're the 20 strikeout game, the no hitters, the Cy Youngs. There's he's already no hitters don't really don't really count because that's more luck. But I see your point. Yeah, and and plus the 20 strikeout game, like it's a. Have you seen the people have thrown the no hitter? Homer Bailey has thrown two. <laughs> I, I understand. No hitter, straight luck. It's not straight luck. That's insanity. And the Dallas Braden threw a perfect game. 
Dallas Braden's career ERA is above five. What if a perfect five. game if that jackass, who was that guy who stuck mm. his elbow pad out? Oh, a Starlin Marte? Is oh, that him? Yeah. I think it was. Yeah, that game. I'm just saying, Scherzer to me, if... <clears throat> Important to note. I think he's sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm so sorry. So we, we disagree on this Important one. Important to note. Um, the average starting pitcher in the Hall of Fame has seven dominant seasons. Max has five. And the average war for pitchers in the Hall of Fame is 73.4. And, like, the measurement to get in is 63. Max's war right now is at 54.5. And he only has five dominant seasons as of today. All right. Well, I hear all of that, and you still can't change my mind. I mean, I, I think, <laughs> like e- – Makes a good Even podcast. someone like CC Sabathia, like he's a questionable Hall of Famer, and he had that six-year-ish dominant stretch. And I mean, he's won a World Series. He has, I believe, two Cy Youngs. Um, like, is that but, uh, ESPN he, commentator CC Sabathia? Is yeah, the... new, newly uh, <laughs> ESPN commentator. Such a weird story. Um, <laughs> no, but like, and he's providing valuable years on the end of his career like like he did last year like he's projected and the yankees are hoping he's doing this year and he's still a borderline hall of famer but granted let me let me back up the hall of fame is trending towards the hall of very good so i mean max might get in if he retired today but according to like ryan said the the numbers and just the the normal peak years of dominance max misses it just by a hair and that's kind of where i lean okay well we can't be right all the time so yeah yeah i, I know you can't you, you have that going for you. god we're so childish <laughs> all right so before we move on to our twitter questions for the week i just want to uh thank you guys again for listening um i want to also remind you all about the library of co- podcasts from the dmv sports network um, there are shows for every team in the area, Redskins, Caps, Wizards, and, of course, this one about the Nats. Um, there's also two shows that cover all different sports, which are About Time DC. It's About Time DC and the Dom and Thunder Show. Um, you can find these on the DMVSportsNetwork.com website or anywhere you find your podcasts. And, of course, they're all on YouTube. Please uh, check them out. And if you um, like this one or any of those, um, we really appreciate it if you leave a review and subscribe. So let's talk about Twitter questions. We got quite a lot this week. Shout out to our fans. Yes. Thank you guys. We really appreciate Best it. Fans on Twitter. <laughs> All right. <up>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's not, let's not say bad things about our fans. All right. So our first question is from at BG one United. And his question is why do the Nats insist on going into every season with a mediocre bullpen and then having to give up prospects for an impact arm again? Are we worried about Fetty and starting pitching depth? So this one, this one really irritates me. I just, the Nats spend their money on starting rotation in other positions, and they kind of just view relievers as, oh, well, it's kind of just a crapshoot. Let's see what happens. And it baffles me. The Nats have lost 12 playoff games. Eight of them are from relievers, and six of them have happened in the seventh inning or later. I'm crawling under my what? desk to cry now, so thank you. <laughs> yeah. Just like what more needs to happen for his front office to realize they need to invest in a dominant reliever and not just have a bunch of terrible guys. <laughs> Craig like Kimberl. Same, you know, <laughs> yeah. well, that's too much to ask for. I just, I don't understand it. Eventually they need to realize that relievers and bullpens win playoff games and win you world series. And the Nats just don't invest in it. It baffles me. Yeah. I mean, 
I agree with everything you said. And uh, BG One United put it perfectly. We give up prospects for an impact arm. Like every year, granted Herrera didn't work out the way we expected to, but like we got Doolittle at the deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, and before that, we got Papelbon, Melanson. Uh, like the it's list, every just, year. The, yeah, it's every single year. The list just goes on and on and on. And like, granted, we've been in the running. Like when Kenley Jansen was a free agent, I know we were like one of the last teams in it before he resigned. Um, I know we we're uh, like testing the waters on Chapman when he was a free agent, and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. So like, we've been like right there towards the end, but I I just don't feel like they they value it. They they see impact arms and relievers and they want to give them a fair market value, but they don't value them for what they can contribute to the course of a 162 game season. And then some, uh-huh. um, and like the, the game is shifting to where you don't have to be a closer to get that money, right? Like there, you can be a good seventh, eighth inning guy and you're still going to get paid. Like plenty of guys have, really shifted the narrative on that. Like Darren O'Day in Baltimore, he got paid and he's never really been a closer. Um, Andrew Miller's another one. Like he's never really been the closer, but he's still an impact arm and has gotten paid. So like the, the narrative of major league baseball and the teams, they're putting more uh, like uh, focus. Emphasis on, yeah, yeah. Yeah. On, mm-hmm. on relieving or, um, relievers and the Nats are late to that party yeah it seems like every season um the bullpen feels like the weak link and uh this season's no exception um I would love for them to get Kimbrell it doesn't look as the days tick by that they're going to be interested in doing that because they don't want to go over the luxury tax which is silly because when even if they don't sign anybody at the deadline and they always do but even if they didn't you know if the incentives come in and we're having a good season they're going to be over anyway right and, like, it's so stupid. Like, you're going to go over. And so why would you not want to solidify your bullpen now instead of giving a waiting to the day? Yep. Yeah, you're going to give up prospects and go over eventually. Like, it makes no sense. Yeah, I totally agree. And, of course, the, the second part of this about Fetty and starting pitching depth, I am a bit worried about that. Um, they should just go get Keuchel and Kibrell, and then we don't have to worry about anything. <laughs> oh, what a world. Um, <laughs> I'm just being greedy. Yeah, like, obviously, um, confident in our top five. Um, I think, as we've said on the show before, uh, I think Ross is better suited for a long man of the bullpen, and I think he can be pretty effective in that role. But if um, there are injuries, he could. Yeah, he could slide in. Um, but like, if he was in the rotation, I wouldn't really expect to get more than like four or five innings out of him. Um, he would still be like a long man in the rotation, and then you essentially have a bullpen day. Um, which a lot of teams kind of slot for anyway, so that wouldn't be uh, uh, too bad. But then again, he's coming off a major injury, so if we're, we're talking about depth, that, that's still that's still a, a worry you have. Yeah, got it. Okay, so next one, at Jetman20 underscore 1986. He says, if we sign Keichel, where would you slot him into the rotation? What a nice problem to have this would be. Yeah, I know, uh, right? Five. I don't want Keiko. I want absolutely nothing to do with Keiko. Yeah, I mean, now that we're in March, his value is a lot less than what he was projected to get. Um, but I, I'm with Ryan. Uh, like, Corbin was always the guy I wanted. I'm mm-hmm. ecstatic that we got him. Um, but I never wanted Keiko. Like, if you told me Corbin signed with the Yankees, oh, let's go get Keiko, I'd still be like, yeah, 
I don't know. His his velocity is way down. His command is way off. But would you rather like, have Helixon than Keichel? I'd rather have Helixon just because you know what you're going to get from him. And plus, he's like, a lot cheaper, too. Yeah. Like, if you look at uh, Keichel, in 2015, he had a 6.7 war. The last three seasons, his war is 6.6. Yeah. And, like, he is he is hitting that. Right. Yeah. That thing. And like he's yeah he, he he had a better year last year to his credit but there's two things with that one we've it's been well documented how good the Astros are with like their analytics and like their spin rates and stuff and and like look at Garrett Cole like his last year in the Pirates he had like an ERA above five and then last year he was like uh, top ten in Cy Young voting like it's when well documented how good the Astros work with their with their pitchers. Um and granted Keigel still has all that information, but it's not the same thing when you get to the like a different ball club. And secondly, like he's won a Cy Young before and that's really raising his value in at least in his mind. Mm-hmm. So there's gonna be a disconnect where teams evaluate him and where he believes he deserves to to well, get. I think that's obvious, or he wouldn't still be on the market, right? Exactly. The same thing with Kimbrel, mm-hmm. but that's a different yeah. conversation. Did you see Adam Jones signed today? Uh, I saw. Looks like they came to terms, that. but they haven't officially announced it. I, I saw he Three signed. Where did he sign? With, Diamondbacks. Or... Interesting. Yeah, one year, three million is what I saw. Uh, that's. Mm-hmm. I'm glad he signed, but he deserves a lot more mm-hmm. than that. I, I like Adam Jones. I do. I can't if, believe that three million for that guy. Right. If like Robles was like. I don't know, like 19 or 18, like I would want us to go get Adam Jones because I think he'd be a perfect guy on this team, but there's not really a need for him right now. Yeah, got it. Okay, next question at one lovely lady C who always sends us a question <laughs> um, to her, her and Dom. We always get <laughs> um, where do the Nats stand with their salary and how will it impact free agent signings or trades? So, well, so yeah, go ahead. It, According to like whatever site you look at, it's different. The Nats are between nine million to eleven million under. Some websites have them a lot closer. Um, it shouldn't impact them whatsoever with free agent signings or trades, but it's going to because the learners are going to use that. Oh, sorry, Mark is going to use that as mm-hmm. an excuse. Stupid Mark. <laughs> yeah, he's quickly turning it. He's getting a, a Dan Snyder reputation around here. Pretty oh quick. yeah, um, and I think Amanda, you were the one who mentioned it. Like one way or another, like whether it be signing someone like Kimbrel or trading for someone at the deadline, we're going over. Right. And even if they do tax. nothing and, and yeah. we have a good season and everybody's <laughs> right. hitting their incentives, we're going over anyway. So it just seems so silly to me to think the only way you're not going over is if you have a crappy season. Yeah. And yeah. that that's probably a better point. Like once incentives kick in and people start getting their incentive incentives, you're going to go over. And obviously you want people to hit their incentives, like, because that means they're doing well and they're contributing to a winning team. So, yeah. yeah. So it yeah. seems oh, like it's like, a counter counterproductive move to try to stay it, under right now. But yeah, it if makes the Nats sign Kimbrel, uh, their penalty is three point two million. Like, and then they lose their what third and fifth round draft pick, yeah, which, like, which for the rest of us is like you know it's the equivalent for them of like twelve bucks. You know, it's like yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's <laughs> it's so stupid. Or you can just trade Mike Lay Taylor, and then boom, there's your three point two. There's million. your three point two five million. <laughs> <laughs> Problem solved. You're welcome. That's it. Yes, exactly. You should be the you should be the new GM. <laughs> I mean, sign me up. <laughs> okay, next question is from at B Limparis, and it is who is the face of the franchise? So he uh, he actually gave us a couple options that I left out because I wanted an unbiased 
um, decision from everyone, but okay. he he provided Scherzer, Zimmerman, Zimmerman and Soto. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't want to limit it to that because I thought that was there's more possibilities. Seems like Rendon could be a possibility. Exactly, and that's mm-hmm. who I had in mind. Um, the... I would go Max. I, I think yeah, he's the I most think... he's the most recognizable. He's the most well known. I mean, he's, right. I think he's the most he's accrued the most awards and accolades on the team. I think I would definitely say it's Scherzer. Right, like a face of the franchise is going to be someone like that, who's not only like a face of the, your franchise, but he's going to be one of the faces in the MLB as a whole as well. Um, and that's really only Max right now. Yeah, agreed. All right. Next one is from our pal Dom at Dom and Thunder. Uh, he says, what's worse, Solis allowing Boo. a 329 average against from lefties or the current CBA? He always does the um, what's worse questions. That's, always, <laughs> that's his shtick. And they're both really bad, so credit I, to him. The CBA is god-awful, but I – hate Samus Solis. I was tired of him watching watch him blow every single game. Right. And, and a, a lefty job. specialist who can't get out lefties. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do? What you... Yeah, like, how useless are you? Um, so, I'll go to yeah. Solis. Okay. I am also going to go Solis because, like, while the current CBA is bad, it still has some things going for it. Like, it's not like it, the whole thing needs to be torn up and, like, completely redone. Like, it has some things going for it still. Yeah. But when you are a lefty pitcher... And you cannot get out lefties. You have no yeah, purpose. Yeah, it's true. Like none, none whatsoever. Yeah, I'm going to go Solis as so. well because the CBA is bad mostly for the players, but watching Solis is bad for us. So <laughs> I'm calling Solis. And you know what? By all accounts, he's a great guy. Good luck to him. I'm, you know, I, I think the team made the right decision. I'm glad that they're going to move forward and build a bullpen yep. without him. But mm-hmm. you know, good luck to him. I yeah. hope he finds but, a landing spot yeah. where he can he can maybe thrive get with some different pitching pitching coaches maybe help him get back to where he was yep yep Agreed. all right next one is from at red giant zero seven and he would like a solis retrospective on his time with the nats sammy solis was a pitcher with the washington nationals he sucked the end (laughs) i was confused when i read this because i wasn't sure if like he was saying this as like he he's gonna miss Solis, or saying this as like he just wanted us to bash him for like. <laughs> um, but obviously, we're gonna do the latter. Like, <laughs> like we're not gonna miss Sammy. Yeah, I think so. that if I would do, I'll do a slightly more expanded <laughs> retrospective, which is you know he had flashes where he was good. Not last year. Last year was was bad. Like like a pitch. The team. It seems like the staff or was like pretty warm-ups? high on him for a while. Had hopes that he could become a lefty specialist. Last year, he I pulled some numbers. Um, Fifty six games he appeared in last year with a six four one ERA. And allowed 28 runs in 39 innings. Um, also, this is the one that really gets me. Is, that, is good? that good? The one that really gets me is lefties had a 993 OPS against him. Jesus. So That is MVP level OPS. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, Hall so of that's Fame numbers. lefties. 993 OPS against him with five homers, two doubles, two triples in 88 matchups. Yeah. So there you go. Harper wouldn't have signed with the Phillies if he had known Sammy wasn't going to be on the Nats. Like he wanted to face Sammy to like boost his numbers. Yeah, everybody did. <laughs> Nine ninety three OPS is barely below Barry Bonds' career OPS. I know it's insane. So I thought you guys would enjoy those numbers. Oh my god. Okay. Oh man. So uh, 
There's your there retrospective. You so that brings us to our last thing, which is our worst tweet of the week segment. Bum, 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 bum. And this week's winner is at Rob Stimmets. I feel bad. He's a great guy. He is great, and he's so he loves to interact with us on Twitter. We love you, Rob. Thank you for all of your uh, your paying attention and listening and interacting with us. We really appreciate it. However, an- hey, but but we always have those days. Like we always have those, those right. Bad so, days, so this is this is understand. our worst tweet of the week from Rob. Nats cannot go over the luxury cap this year. It uh, three exclamation points. It will be detrimental <laughs> to their future and ruin the farm and lose vital draft picks. Rob. Great well, guy. Is there such thing as vital draft picks? No. Like, is that a no. thing? No. Draft picks in baseball are not important. It takes five years for a draft pick to make the make the league. Oh, well. Now they have to wait six years. And he kept talking about, like, they'll lose international draft slot money. That matters for teams like the Marlins, the Rays, the small market teams who can't get free agents, not the Nats. Okay? Going over to luxury cap gives you a good chance of winning this year. It does not ruin your future. It is not needed to use detrimental. Relax, Rob. Yeah. Ask the ask the Red Sox how going over the luxury cap last year worked out for them. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it seems like they enjoyed it. it seems like <laughs> yeah, yeah, it seems like they're they're kind of still having ha- it, being so. a Caps fan. I can I can confirm parades are fun. Those are yeah, yeah, they are, they are fun. Hey, remember from last week at Phil Coach, the Nats parade will be ten times better. <laughs> ten than times the Caps better. Hey, parade, I really so... enjoyed the Caps parade, so I am looking forward to one that's ten times better. <laughs> yeah, when, when I'm like ninety-five and the learners are no longer oh, the learners, that's just wrong. It's just wrong. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I think that's going to do it for us. Thank you guys again for listening. Um, We really appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed the show. Um, If you would go out and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, we'd really appreciate it. Um, We also love reviews. Reach out to us on Twitter. We love hearing from you. Um, You can get me on Twitter at awhite7877. And you can find Ryan and Nick at DC Natchak. And you can find the podcast at Half Street High Heat. Um, don't forget to check out the dmvsportsnetwork.com website and you can follow them on Twitter or Instagram at dmv underscore sn and if you're interested in writing or um, getting involved in any way with the site they are looking for people Um, you can reach out to them via Twitter direct message or you can shoot them an email at dmvsportsnetwork at outlook.com thank you for listening and we will be back here again next week thanks guys later Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.